It's the most wonderful time of the year. I put out two podcasts in just two weeks, and I'm really happy with them. And you'll listen to this one now because you love me. Oh, love me, love me. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Too Lazy to Write. It's me, your host, the real John Baker, sitting here on a cold, believe it or not, a cold day in Northern Virginia. Why the temperature was in the mid to high 20s this morning when I took my daughter to school. Um, But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. Yesterday, by the way, December 11th, was my wife's birthday. And we we had a lovely dinner at McCormick and Schmidt. Schmicked. Schmicked. McCormick. And uh, then we had dessert at home. Uh, Cake from Nothing Bunt Cake. It was delicious as usual. And I love her, and uh, we had a great time. So, that's not what I'm talking about today either. Today, can you? I have I have enthusiasm in my voice, and I do need another cup of coffee. Uh, but today on uh, the podcast, I uh, have a great interview with a woman who I met um, earlier this year, late in the year. We met in September. I don't know. Is that late? Early? I don't know. A couple months ago. Um, her name is. Leslie Combemal, and I did get her to say it because it is French. It is a Parisian Francais last name. And uh, Leslie, aside, apart from uh, owning a uh, an art gallery here in uh, Reston with her husband, uh, she owns the art gallery Art Insights. Uh, and I misspeak at the very beginning. I fuck it up right out of the gate. That's what I'm here for. Um, I say she specializes in sci-fi, and she corrects me lickety-split, as she should. It's her gallery. She knows more than I do. Anyway, but aside, apart from owning this gallery, um, Leslie uh, has, she wears many hats. Um, She is a writer. She is a film critic. She is an activist. She cooks spaghetti. Um, I only know that because she was doing it while we were talking. She was waiting for it. She drinks wine. But everyone drinks wine. I'm drinking wine right now. Not really. Uh, anyway, uh, but that's only just the tip of the iceberg of the things that Leslie does do. And uh, as I say early on in the interview, to for me to try to cover them would be doing an injustice to them. And I let her explain them all. And um, and I really, I she's just great to talk to. The first time we met, um, I think I sat in her gallery for probably close to 45 minutes just chatting. Um, she's wonderful, and it's a it's an interview I'm really happy that I was able to do with her. Um, she gave up a lot of her time to chat with me, so I hope you enjoy it. Here it is, me, the real John Baker, or just John Baker, no H, uh, talking with a uh, woman of many talents, many traits, many hats, as I said, uh, Leslie Combamal, and uh, I hope you like it. Hey, how do you pronounce your last name? I, I, I don't want to screw it up. Combemal. Combemal. I knew it was Francais. Yes, it is Francais. So let me ask you right off the top then, um, woman who wears so many hats. Are we recording? We are recording. Okay, cool. Um, growing up as a child in uh, France, correct? Yes. Is this how you saw your life? 
Um, well, I did always want to own my own business. I do know okay. that. Okay. Um, and but it is a, in a long list of things that I wanted to do. Um, and um, it, it, I have been definitely been doing this a long time. And I think I've always been somebody who wanted to make people aware of something that was misunderstood. That's, um, you know, as a, as a kid, whether it was in, in France or, you know, I got here when I was like 11. So um, early on, I, I was uh, integrated into American, you know, society. And I spoke English from a little kid, from, you know, a baby. Yeah. So I, I spoke French, English, and Italian. Okay. And because um, <clears throat> I also lived in, in uh, Positano, Italy. So um, I have always been a, a champion of people that like, um, you know, there in, in, in elementary school all the way up through high school, there are those cliques and people that kind of land in different places in, in the hierarchy or the, the, the way that school worked. And I was yeah. always the person who was, was the champion of the person that was being treated badly or the underdog. So, okay. um, and I think, you know, what I think is really cool and kind of wonderful is that people who, whatever your position was in high school, you kind of continue you know, yeah. whatever it is that, like, if you were, because my friends that were jocks in high school, they're still playing softball or whatever it is. And then people who were in all of, you know, I was, I was in the theater and then in music and in um, science. So I did a bunch of different things. And, and I, I was um, somebody who was into um, getting really great grades. I was super geeky. So I fit into all of those different cliques. And so then I kind of went in between cliques and, and bridged the different cliques and, and tried to um, integrate people who were not um, accepted. And so then, you know, in my art gallery and in the world of film and all of the ways in which I live in the world now, that's kind of what I do is whatever isn't accepted or understood or misunderstood or relegated uh, unfairly to the back seat or below other um, places or people, I, I, that's not cool for me. That's not okay for me. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not making myself out to be a champion or anything. I do what little tiny thing I can do. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I think I did expect and want to be someone who made a difference in even a tiny little way. So um, with the art gallery and promoting and amplifying artists that work on film who actually worked on it that people don't know about, letting people know who they are and celebrating them and then in working with women in film and uh, female filmmakers who people don't know about and who are creating incredible work. Um, those are all things that were really important to me and continue to be. So, you know what? I pretty much knew exactly who I was and what I wanted from the time I was teeny tiny. And not everybody is that lucky. Um, yeah, you're no, you're so right about that. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, <laughs> uh, but you have this interest in like the gallery is, is primarily science fiction based. Um, uh, well, no, it's all things. No? It's all movies. It's any kind of movie. Oh, I wouldn't yeah, say sci-fi based. Is it your yeah. thing as, as sci-fi based because you love sci-fi? 
So with yeah. curious, whoever goes in there, whatever they see is what they love. They notice what they love, just like in the world, just like the way we are, the way we operate in the regular world, the way we operate wherever we are. So you see sci-fi, which I love. I love sci-fi. I love Star Wars and Blade Runner and Star Trek and all of those things, Marvel and, and DC, superheroes and all that stuff. But we also have Disney and we have, um, you know, a bunch of different kinds of genres and sci-fi is just one of them. Yeah, um, I, I feel bad because I did misspeak. I've been into the gallery a number of times. And, and yeah, you love the sci-fi, and good for I, you. Yeah. But we do need champions. Genre well, film that, is important to champions. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Were, were you, and I mean, maybe you've answered this already in the first part, but were you a person who was into uh, film and then sci-fi or like, was that always, or are you just well, into so, film? Well, uh, I've always been into film, I, and I can credit my dad for that. Um, my dad and our, our whole family, but certainly my dad and I watched movies from the time I was really old. So one of the weird things, the really wonderful things about, I don't know if France is still like that. I go there fairly often, but, you know, I, I loved Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. When I, That's the first thing I put into my scrapbook when I was a little kid. So I was already into them. I was already into, um, you know, Casablanca and black and white films and mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, Sean Cocteau and, and, um, and then an, animation, but, you know, um, Chuck Jones uh, yeah. and, and recognizing, you know, French people recognize funky genius. You know, people joke about, um some of the, the people that we're into as French people, Jerry Lewis. It's not, a, we actually, it's actually true. We're actually really into him. I will defend him, especially in The Nutty Professor and, I mean, all of the work in, and Cinderella. We love him, and I believe we love him because he's a genius, not okay. because we're, we're screwy and, and, you know, don't have our heads on straight. Um, yeah. We like stinky cheese. I mean, there are lots of things we like that are weird. But we know good film. We uh-huh. do know good film. And we celebrate good film. And, and I, when I came to the U.S., I brought that aesthetic with me. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, in France and in England and Europe in general, um, a love of sci-fi and an appreciation of genre film is definitely um, something that is appreciated in Europe in a way that, you know, I know for people who collect uh, film art, there is a much more uh, like a more open perspective on um, genre film and on the art of film in Europe than there is in the United States. It's been playing catch up here for a long time. So um, animation and genre film, whether that's horror or sci-fi or fantasy um, animation, all of those things that are seen as kind of the stepsisters of traditional film, you know, dr- dramatic film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've loved all of that, uh, and I've appreciated all of that. I think anything that's on, and, I've, and let me be clear, I've been a feminist, or I know that's a dirty word now. I'm willing to embrace it. Mm-hmm. I have been someone who loves being a woman and loves the idea that, well, actually, I believe we should all go beyond gender and as soon as possible, but... Um, I love being someone who was born a woman and um, 
and I love uh, I love being someone who has my own power and embraces my own power as an individual beyond gender. And so even as a little kid, I recognized that in film there were a lot of characters that were missing. Um, mm-hmm. Women were not represented as fully formed characters a lot of the time. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's the, the um, a lot of the the ways that, that the Hayes Code and all of those things that kind of built the way studio <clears throat> films were released and, and the sort of subject matter and the way that they the stories were told was very from a Judeo-Christian perspective. So those were all things that didn't really reflect women as whole people. So from that like teeny tiny person, I've always been someone who's championed women in film, recognized that they were not in there the way I wanted them. To. I'm talking about teeny. I'm talking about yeah. from like Ida Lupino as a five or six year old. Oh, okay. Like I was, I was a weirdo. I was a weird kid, really into movies, recognized there were not, what we wanted was not out there. And, um, you know, went out and tried to find movies that did represent women as fully fleshed out, fully formed people. Um, so genre films have allowed women to do that. Um, you know, th- when you think about Alien, when you yeah. think about Sigourney Weaver, that's a character that represents a fully formed person that isn't about gender. It's about her embracing her own power. So we were able to do that in genre film in ways that we couldn't do that in studio films a lot of the time. Now, have have you seen a change, let's say, over the last 10 to 15 years? Um, I would say that there are a lot of people working really hard to make the change. You know, um, Women in Hollywood uh, is a site that does an incredible amount of work. The Alliance of Women Film Journalists, uh, to which I belong, has been working really hard. Women in Film LA. There are so many, the blacklist, because going beyond gender, talking about, um, you know, populations that are, whether they're intersectional or, or um, LGBTQ, people of color, um, there have been a lot of people doing a lot of work for a long time to make the change, to make the difference. It's really, it's like racially slow. Yeah. But there are so many people trying and working hard. And time, um, time's up. You know, um, there are so many ways that it has changed because people have decided, you know what, enough's enough. We're not okay with harassment. We're not okay with um, the, the status quo and the way things have been up until now. People are, the general populace is starting to realize what kinds of films were being fed by the studio system, by the academy, which was until very recently you know, average age 77, all yeah. white. They were making, they're making changes there. It's a slow change. But if everyone is committed to changing the, 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 the um, collective, the, the list of people that are making the decisions, you know, the people at the top, then it, it, it has to change. It will change. But I have to credit the absolutely amazing and wonderful people at the um, Women in Film L.A., um, the blacklist, um, you know, there's so many people that have been doing it for 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, just the whole time that they've been working in film. So, but I do think it is changing. Uh, there have been so many amazing films that have come out just this year in 2019. 
But the problem is that the perception of what to what a great film, what auteur is, what an auteur is, what great film is, there's a very particular understanding of what that is. And I do believe it's kind of masculine. It's kind of um, patriarchal. There's this understanding, there's a, like understood hierarchy around it. And we have to break that down. We have to break down the belief that bombastic films that are big in a way that don't have subtlety, that don't have nuance, that don't have character development and create fully fleshed, fully formed characters. That is not our way forward. At least it's not our, our way forward alone. So like, I love my, our, my Marvel films. Mm-hmm. I, I will not ever, I will not be um, Martin Scorsese in that way. I, I understand where he's coming from, but I think, um, there's room for everyone, but there are all of these films that have come out this year and happened last year as well, where there's this subtlety and there, there's this, um, way, there's this way in which a film progresses that has this beauty of subtlety that is not appreciated by the, the Academy, by, uh, the award season. And it's happening over and over. So it's just something that really has to change. You know, if you have a movie that gets 98 in the on Rotten Tomatoes, and there are all these movies that you know, you know, that are well, rec- you know, well recommended, well reviewed, but they're not almost universally acclaimed, and yet they're getting so much more attention than some of the films at the top, and they're not getting a, a, an awards push. Those are the things that have to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and it's, it's slow. You know, I just voted on three different awards um, just in the last week or so. And some of the things I nominated made it through, but a lot of them didn't. And I'm not nominating bizarre things that, make no sense i'm nominating really great films that have value but you know you're also talking about where is the money being put is is who is pushing what are the films that are being pushed and why are they being pushed you know these are all things that have inherent bias and that we have to crack through and also just the understanding of what a great film is you know and of what needs to be seen in the theater these are all things that have to change in order for us to really find parity for women in film. So, so you said you just voted on, on some awards. Are you able to say like what went through and what didn't go through? Like as an example? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with, um, so the, uh, the WAFCA, which is the Washington area film critics association, uh, they just announced the winners last night at eight o'clock and there were some wonderful winners. Um, you know, we were, I was very pleased with a lot, you know, I'm very, I love my colleagues. I I love diversity of thought. That's all great. But there are things like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is, I think, one of the best films of the year, you know, male or female helmed. Mm -hmm. And it's a film that is just, just, I I believe in like 20 years, people are going to look back and be like, oh my God, this movie. It, mm-hmm. it transcends time. It's just excruciatingly beautiful. It has nuances of character and of emotion 
um, the Nightingale got no push for the award season, which is a film by Jennifer Kent. Um, it's hard to watch, and I think sometimes that can be a challenge. But I voted, you know, I nominated that for everything, and it didn't break through. Of course it didn't. It wasn't even sent out for awards viewing. Um, there was a film called Tigers Are Not Afraid that I couldn't even vote for because WAFCA bases their awards on how the Academy does their awards and Tigers Are Not Afraid wasn't, didn't qualify because it had come out. It took them a long time to get um, release in the United States. So that's something that we couldn't push, even though it's one of the best movies of the year. And then A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Marielle Heller, this is the second year in a row where she's created a complex, beautiful film that doesn't get the um, the praise. Oh, it gets the praise, but it doesn't get the the um, the award that it deserves um, because you know that's the thing. Like when you watch, have you seen A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so when you watch that film, I mean, one of the things that people don't realize about it is she allows for silence. Mm-hmm. She she allows for um, interaction and um, kind of this the spaces in between the pe- the things that people are saying. And this is not something everyone is willing or comfortable enough to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was brave and amazing. And I mean it. And and also. So, so in keeping with Mr. Rogers and the right. way that he operated in his life and, and on his show. So another film was Clemency, uh, which was just beautiful. And I had nominated um, a Best Supporting Actor character in the film, um, Aldous Hodge, who used to be on Leverage. Did you ever watch uh, Leverage? No, no. Oh, you know, great show. All right, okay. um, <laughs> so, and he... He has been slowly building up his, you know, his notoriety or success in the film world. Uh, And, oh, my goodness. So people need to see Clemency. And it's actually, it was supported and and benefited by, um, I think, Sundance, I think Reframe or Sundance, one of the, the nonprofits that rises, you know, that raises up women working to create film um, that it would would not have existed otherwise. And she wrote and directed the film. Uh, It was just such a beautiful, beautiful movie. And um, yeah, I I highly recommend that. That didn't, that didn't break through. So yeah, there are a fair number of films that I tried to, um, to, to do what I could for and only did so much for What what are you going to do? Um, yeah, I was going to say, where where are these available? Like, if somebody wants to see them, are they can they be found online or? Are they well, so Portrait of a Film on on uh, oh. Portrait of a Lady on Fire only Lady just Fire. came out. Oh, okay. So that um, I'm sure that will be playing online at some point soon. But right now, people could go out and find it at, at an art house. Okay. Um, the Nightingale. I'm not sure where that is at this point, but it came out a while ago, so. They should be able to track it down. Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is an amazing movie by Issa Lopez. That is such a cool story, what, what Issa Lopez did, which I, I um, promote. I wanted to make her the, I asked 
my editor at the Alliance of Women Film Journalists to um, have her be uh, spotlit as one of the female filmmakers of the month. So she was um, a spotlight for a month. And um, she is really famous in Mexico as a writer for comedies. And these were, she was perfectly fine with making the movies that she was making, but they weren't her voice. They weren't her experience. Mm -hmm. And so she wanted to make a film that was true to her experience and her aesthetic. And so she like just walked away and then uh, wrote and directed this film, which is just beautiful. And I'm pretty sure it's on, um, Oh, what is it called? It's not, it's like Shutter or whatever that um, that site is online that you can watch on your TV. It's like um, All Scary Movies. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Shutter. My, I thought you, when you said Shutter, I thought you meant like in your window, but you mean with double Bs, not double yes, Ts. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of other movies, um, Honey Boy, which is Alma Harrell. That is a really interesting film. Um, with Shia LaBeouf, and I uh, wanted him to be considered uh, and and win Best Supporting Actor. Um, and that was born out of his going to a men- mental, um, uh, you know, a, a getting some help um, after something, some stuff happened, and people can look that up. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote about it while he was in this facility, and it became a film. And and if you watch him and you see him interviewed, you can see his authenticity and his compassion. And uh, it, the film is just beautiful. So that's another movie that there's there's just so many really great films that came out this year by uh, helmed by women and often written by women. Has there been anything not uh, gender specific? Uh, film that you've seen say in the last 10 years and you can't say the Joker because I know how you feel about that. Um, <laughs> that I love the score. I yes, love I know you yeah, yeah. of Joker. But that you've just sat back and said, I do not understand what all the hype is about. You mean a gender specific in terms of women or in terms no, of just, men? No, just any movie. Any movie. I See, I did not like American Beauty. I just didn't care for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no reason why I didn't care for it. I just thought it was hyped up so much. And I was like, eh. I have one. I have a weird one, though. Okay. And, and like, I didn't even tell. I was I was trying to stay below the radar about it. <laughs> Logan. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people love that movie. I, I, I respect them for loving it. It's totally fine. I found it to be super derivative. Now, I'm not saying the acting wasn't great, because the acting was. Uh-huh. But it felt like there were a lot of... Um, shows and, and movies and books that it was kind of cobbling together into this like amalgam. I didn't dig on it, but I get that other people did, and I respect that. I mean, a lot of I love it when I read someone else's one of my colleagues' reviews that I completely disagree with, but to their point. Right. I mean, you know, there's something for everyone, and for people who love movies, just go see them. Yeah. You know, you don't always have to take our obviously don't take our word for it. The only thing I'm out there to do is to say, this movie exists. I loved it. I didn't like it so much, but this movie exists. And maybe mm-hmm. go, if it's a subject that is of interest to you, or it's something that is, uh, you know, somehow 
you know, uh, bubbling something up for you, then, then go see it and see what you think. Because, you know, it's, it's all so subjective. This year there was this, um, this uh, um, collection, there was a, a, a limited series called Unbelievable. Uh, okay. And I, I interviewed, I think it's on Netflix, I interviewed the, I hope I don't get that wrong because that would suck. Um, I interviewed the showrunner, uh, a director, and the writer of the, the um, show. And it just, won a, it just got nominated for a bunch of Golden Globe Awards. It is just so beautifully from the female gaze in ways that, you know, much like when I saw uh, Wonder Woman, when I watched Wonder Woman, I didn't even realize I hadn't seen something ever before. And then I watched and went, oh, my God, I, I've never seen this before. And it's really powerful, whether it's being a woman or it's somebody from a culture that has not been well represented or somebody who is underrepresented LGBTQ plus, um, whatever it is, when you see yourself on screen for the first time in a way that you feel like is true and authentic, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And unbelievable is one of those one of those experiences. Uh, there was, uh, I mean, it's not an easy show to watch. It's based on uh, true events of this guy who was a serial rapist and um, this woman. And it's it's actually oh. based on, yeah, you know. Was it Tony Collette was? was uh, yes. yes. Okay, yeah, sure. I watched some of it. My wife really loved it. Yeah, well, yeah. and it's hard to watch as a guy yeah. that loves women, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Did, did you stop watching it or did you watch the whole thing? Um, I stopped watching it. She, I think, watched the whole series. Um, but you're right. It is, it is hard to watch as, as a man who loves women. But, you know, having said that, I, I can't say that I'm looking for sympathy from my point of view. No, no, but I think it's you know? interesting when you think about things like that. Like, okay, so did you watch, um, oh, what's the show about, um, the guy who makes drugs and, and Breaking um, Bad? yeah. Did you watch no, that? Whole I never watched. No. Okay. So I didn't want to watch that. Cause I call those worse and worse shows. Now I know how great that acting is in that show and the writing spectacular, but my husband watched the Breaking Bad series, the entire series. And then when I tried to get him to watch Handmaid Tale, many of which are directed by women, written by women, Helm, you know, starring women, yeah, um, or Unbreakable, which he did wind up watching because he's very supportive of what I do as somebody promoting women in film. It was really hard for him to watch, and it was very different for him to watch that show because, you know, it there's something about bringing to life the experience of something that people don't really uh, represent in film, you know, yeah. uh, and 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 it's like we're we're comfortable with, well, it's that age-old thing of, like, sex we don't want to see on TV, but violence we'll watch all day long. That's, like, right. a whole thing. That's a yeah. whole other thing in film and, and television. Yeah. Well, I am, um, like, you're talking about being uncomfortable. There are things that I'll stay away from because I just don't want to put myself in the situation where I'm going to be uncomfortable. And maybe it's something I should work on because I know – there are things that I'm missing because I won't watch them just because I don't want to be uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that when you're thinking about people being in positions of power who feel that way, 
that's when it all breaks down. So, you know, there are uh, one of my friends, Jen McGowan, who's wonderful. She's a director who um, had a film earlier this year called Rust Creek that you can actually find online or um, on your whatever version of it it is that you have on your big TV um, that broke through. It was an indie that did really well. And she has um, a, a, a new series that's going to be in the not-so-distant future. Um, I think it's called Angelica. And it's about the last uh, abortion clinic uh, that's in a state and what the women who work there have to go through and uh, their struggles. You know, when I think about something like that, we're like, that's a really important thing for us to be able to see and watch. And it might be uncomfortable for some people. Somebody was willing to put their money behind that, which is amazing. And I have to say, I think speaks to how different the atmosphere, the environment is these days, that that there's somebody out there who knows, yes, we're going to watch that. It's well-scripted. It's well um casted, you know, all of that stuff, well, cast, it, it, all that stuff makes a difference, but the idea itself, it may make us uncomfortable, but it's something that some of us want to see. And I yeah. think until very recently, if you said, mm, that makes me, I don't think I want to watch that, then that meant it wasn't going to be out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Today, I just interviewed uh, the cast and writers and some of the producers of Lost in Space. Mm-hmm. And I don't, do you watch that? To be honest, when you sent me the text that you were interviewing them, I didn't even know it was on. And then I looked and it has um, uh, Molly Parker. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I may have to watch it. Well, I mean, one of the coolest things about that show. So I'm covering that for the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. And one of the coolest things about that show is that it starts with the premise, 30 years in the future, and women and men are equally perceived. So if you're a scientist and you're a girl or a guy, it makes no difference, whatever, it's the same. So they remove the, like, weight of gender. They remove that completely away. And what it does is it redefines the entire story, and it makes it so that all of the characters are so much more well developed, so much more interesting. You know, there's a, a the the lead um, male character is this like he's some version of the Navy. Maybe he's a Navy SEAL, but he's some version of a Navy SEAL. So he's like very physical and knows how to physically problem solve. But he's also a very sensitive person emotionally. And then the lead female, and they're married. Female is um, a genius and a scientist, and so she thinks her way through things, and so that can be kind of her limitation as well as her strength. And so what's really fascinating about this show is that it's got all these characters that are really well-developed and really interesting who are not basing who they are on their gender. It's beyond gender. And I found that fascinating. Not only did I find that fascinating, I love the fact that the um, showrunner and the people who created the show said, right from the onset, we are going to have a writer's room that is representative of the people in the show. We want voices, we want perspectives that will see 
things beyond gender. And so really it's like an organic expression of this kind of um, aspirational future in which none of us have to worry about, oh, sorry, I'm a girl. I shouldn't raise my hand. You know, sorry, I'm a girl. Uh, I know I wanted this job. I guess the guy gets it because he, quote, has a family to support or, quote, you know, like whatever, quote, nonsense it is yeah. that they've got going on. That None of that is in play at the sh- in the show. And I loved being able to support, as someone who writes for the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, um, a show that it has showrunners that are men, but are men who want to support parity and equity in terms of how women are represented on screen and how women are, you know, women in STEM, uh, women scientists are represented on screen because these are the things that are going to ultimately lead to parity in film and television. Um, Maybe not changing gears, but on a lighter note then. Yes. (laughs) Your your thoughts on the movie Starship Troopers. (laughs) That is kind of random. Well, well, just because, you know, there was, I I think of like the shower scene where it was just men and women. There was, it was just very, we're all here together. Um, All right, but did you read the book? No, I never read the book. Okay. Um, Well, I enjoy that film. But on the other hand, I like a lot of cheesy stuff. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I have nothing bad to say, but that's just because I like, I I like, I like genre film and I like grunty things. I mean, I'm all about like, really, I'll watch all of it. Uh, Uh And I, I'm all for, you know, there are layers in film. It doesn't all have to be Shakespearean. Right, it can right. be just I mean, speaking as someone who just spent a week watching movies that are, you know, because at, at awards season, we watch a lot of films that are really heavy, really intense. And then by the time I like literally today is the first day where I'm going to watch. Now, let me throw that up, say this about that. I watch. Um, holiday movies, but I will not watch a holiday movie that is all white people. I'm just not interested in that anymore. I mean, so you're not, it's so tiring. I'm just you're not exhausted. Watching the Hallmark, you're not watching the Hallmark Channel then. <laughs> not unless they've got um, and I don't want some quote, sassy, unquote um, girl of color who's the best right. friend. No. That's, I need no. to see people um, that are blended families, that are it's just boring to me. I don't want to see another blonde, blue-eyed girl with some. It's just it, it's so like white people problems. It's just yeah. like so boring. And also, I just feel like that's not who we are. I don't know why they're like. Yeah, there are lots of places. Netflix is making some good movies that are um, more representational, more diverse. Yeah. I think we just need to like ask it, expect it, and support that. And anything else is not good enough. My uh, my cousin wants her husband. My my cousin is a, a film producer, and his wife is a lawyer, and she wants him to make uh, the Hallmark movie where uh, the the woman, you know, she's the lawyer. She goes back to the small town. She reacquaints herself with her high school crush and realizes she's got it better in the big city. <laughs> and, and he follows her. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, like, let's change the story of this. You know, she's like, what am I doing back here? I'm out of here. Back to New York. There's this really cool thing where they had, like, um, pick from column A, column B, and column C. And it was, like, girl who's unhappy with her career life goes to, and then column B is, like, goes to small town mm-hmm. where her family uh, is, her, her her family's tree farm is in danger. Right, yeah. And then yeah. she's like, oh, my God, I just can't one more time. Like, not even one more yeah. time. I enjoy watching the, the Hallmark movies because so many of them were filmed in Ottawa, where I'm from. Oh, I'm, right. So, like, why can't they make – and that's the funny thing about why are you making films in Canada that – and Canadians are so inclusive and supportive of, you know, diversity – why are right. you making these white, like super white films in Canada? It's like it's like antithetical to what Canadians represent. Right. I, well, I don't get it. I think when we met, I said, "There's like the joke is, what did we call gay marriage in Canada? Marriage." Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> God bless you all. I'm like, uh, you know, I just I just wanted everyone to be like the Canadians. Really, we've had that discussion before. Yeah, we have. We have. Ah, we all for gay people. What a beautiful thing. uh, So you've been there, obviously. Oh yes, I love Montreal. I have, you know, I'm um, I'm the person that never met a stranger, right? Like I'm in retail, but I don't pretend. I'm actually in. I really do quite love people. I don't know that you can be in small business. And by the way, small pimping. Art Insights is my art gallery. It's in Reston yeah. Town. Don't worry. I'm going to mention it. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. and I've been there for many, many years. I will say, you know, like the place across the hall from me, which is now Devell, and he's, you know, been great in small business a long time. But before he moved into that space, we literally had 11 other companies come and go. Really? And probably about, I want to say about like 15 years, 11 different companies, including a bank. So it wasn't wow. like there was there were a lot yeah. of places. Charles Schwab was there and said, "Yep, I'm out." So wow. yeah, it, it's not that easy to make that area work. Um, small business in general in this country is hard, but in specific in in you know Northern Virginia and Western Town Center, um, you know it it can be a real challenge. And um, you know for me, being there and I, I forget what was the reason why we brought this up. I don't even remember now. I have no idea. We were talking about <laughs> Montreal. We were talking about Montreal. Oh, Montreal. Yeah. yeah. Never met a stranger. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, through my art gallery, I become friends with people all over the world because I don't wait for people to just come into the store and buy stuff because uh-huh. what I do is very specific. It's film art by the filmmakers. So, um, there have been a couple of times where I've gone, one of my, my um, artists uh, who w- works in movies is in upstate New York. So I've gone a couple of times up oh. to see them. And when I get there, I'm like, well, what the hell? I might as well go to Montreal yeah. because I speak French. So I went to, oh, my God, I completely fell in love with Montreal. And then when I went to Montreal the first time, I went with my husband, and it was the weekend that Obama was being sworn in was, oh, no, it was the election. So, okay. so I went and um, uh, I think it coincided with our anniversary. And so we were at this really nice hotel 
and it was just a feeling of really like a lot of joy. Uh, and I, for some reason, went downstairs and, and was talking to the concierge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I literally became friends, like good, good friends with Coulchier. She's still my friend. Oh. And this is probably like, I don't know, however many years it's been since Obama got elected the first time. So um, so, and that is kind of the way it is in Canada. You can make friends on the street. Yeah. You really can. Um, well, we and in fact, friends. Yeah. You oh, and yeah, I make friends on the street. I, I mean, I walked in there for another reason, and here we are now three months later. I have a smile <laughs> on my face. It's totally true. <laughs> you, are, you were a delight, but you had a, an inner glow that I found really beautiful. Uh, I really appreciated but, that. And, but so, yeah, I mean, I think, and in fact, if you come to the store in the next, like, couple of weeks, one of the things we do a lot, because I, I think people who aren't in retail don't realize we have to listen to Christmas music like sure. all day long yeah. for about three weeks. Yeah. So um, because I speak French, um, I, I found a bunch of music that's Canadian or French, mostly Canadian though, that's Canadian Christmas music. Oh, okay. And there's so much great Canadian Christmas music. There's actually a bunch of playlists on Apple Music that are Canadian uh, that are Montreal Christmas music. Oh, really? Um, like That's playlists. So yeah, so they're all, and I found, um, yeah, I've got like a bunch of really and musicians I completely love now that I didn't even know existed until I started seeking that out. So yeah, now I, if you come to my store, half the time there is, there are people speaking French Okay. Canadian French, in fairness, which is very different from Parisian <laughs> yes, French. Yes, it absolutely French, is. Yeah. It absolutely is. Um, you know what? We could talk probably uh, for another 45 minutes. We've been talking for 45 minutes. Um, but I have to go make the chili or finish. Oh, good. Yes, I, my spaghetti is sitting. The, the sauce okay. is sitting. So, And okay. I am still needing to decorate the tree. So I'm so okay. glad we got to talk at this Christmas. So, uh, yeah, this was great. Um, oh, let me do one little pimping, which yeah, is that sure, if, any, if sure. you're going to put this in anytime in the near future, if people love peanuts, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a show right now at Art Insights in Reston Town Center that is specifically Charlie Brown Christmas animation. Really? So, yeah, cool. and it's so great. And it's, it was this really cool thing that happened that uh, the people that are Southwest Productions, which is Bill Melendez Studios. So Bill Melendez, Bill Melendez is the um, animator who created all of the Charlie Brown Christmas specials, all of the uh, Charlie Brown specials in general. So like you become home and yeah. Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and Charlie Brown Christmas. And we have original art and limited editions, extremely rare things people haven't seen for 20 or 30 years um, at our store right now that represents Charlie Brown Christmas, whether it's from the original from 1965 or from I want a dog for Christmas. I mean, it's just like, I don't expect people to buy things from our store necessarily at Christmas time. Although some people do, and we love that they do. I love that people come and check out um, Christmas art that's specific to animation, whether it's how the Grinch stole Christmas or, um, a Charlie Brown Christmas. So yeah, people should come and check it out at our store during Christmas and after um, because it's 
it's just a nice and Reston Town Center is so beautiful at Christmas time. So it's a, yeah. a nice place to come with your with your family. So yeah. So yeah. I just wanted to throw that plug in there. And then and also there are other small businesses in Reston Town Center, including Scrawl, which is a um sure. a, an, an indie bookstore that's yeah. in Reston Town Center and I love them and people should go check them out. And they're just in the building like next door to your the building that you guys are in. So it's not yeah, they're a far walk. The, they're like in the 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 other version we're in one fountain square uh, we're in two yeah. fountain square they're in one fountain square and they're lovely people and they can recommend all sorts of good books for you for people that are looking for for gifts for their loved ones during the holidays and you also have and and this was one of the things that stood out when I first came into the store you have that and just for a second I know I said we'd go but I want you to talk about it that great Victor Victoria poster that oh, I forgot. Oh, I do, but it. it's not there anymore. No, I it's it. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Oh, but it was so beautiful because it was. You were saying to me it was done like in the days before Photoshop and and. Yeah, it was, it's key art from. Well, we represent John Alvin, who is a movie poster artist, one of the most prolific and successful movie poster artists in the history of film, which means he actually made the movie posters for. Hundreds of movies, including E.T. and Blade Runner and Young Frankenstein and Beauty and the Beast and Lion King, The Little Mermaid and Always. And um, so we have, instead of uh, the Victor Victoria, right now we have the key art, which means the art they actually used to make the movie poster for Aladdin, the advanced poster for Aladdin. So that's cool. So that's the actual art that they used to make the movie poster. And these are pieces that, so John Alvin's work, has gone at auction for between um, 500000 to $1.6 I think is the most it's gone wow. for. And we have his original art. We have art from E.T. and, and original art of Blade Runner. So there's like really rare stuff. Even if people don't ever want to buy anything, it's just a cool thing to come and it see is. with your family. If they love movies, yeah. it's fun to kind of just like show them stuff. So they can see what cool things. They don't ever have to buy anything. They can just come and learn about the art. And like me, they'll probably walk away being your friend. So it's not a bad trade-off. Right. So like um, <laughs> our movie, thank you, very sweet. Um, our uh, website, if people want to check it out, is artinsights.com. But then at, we love for people to follow us on Twitter, um, especially um, Women Rock Film. So that's um, my Women Rocking Hollywood, which is – um, me doing um, panels at San Diego Comic-Con with female oh, wow. filmmakers um, that I do every year and have been doing. This is the fifth year I'll be doing it. And I'm the first one that ever did panels of female filmmakers at San Diego Comic-Con. So you can go on the website, womenrockinghollywood.com, or follow us on Twitter on Women Rock Film. And then also as a, um, a film critic, that's Cinema Siren News. Um, so that's at Cinema Siren News. And then the gallery is at Art Insights, which is I'm having an insight about art, but it's plural. Okay. You can just have one insight. That's, yeah. True. All right. So you're going to come visit me soon so I can show you all of the um, For sure. Charlie Brown stuff, yeah? For sure. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, happy holidays to you as well. But we only say that because we know we're going to see each other IRL. <laughs> Don't you hate when people do the like uh, the letters instead of the words, especially when it's like the same number and syllables? I don't even know what IRL means. In real life. Oh, in real life. Okay. 
So I'm going to see you in real life soon. For and sure. anybody wants to come and visit us is great, but I would love to see you come and, and I'll show you some cool stuff, just like I would love to see you at, at the holidays at the gallery. Excellent. I will, uh, I will see you soon and enjoy your spaghetti. Oh, and you enjoy your chili. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Right. Oh, there it is. Leslie Combemal um, talking to me from her home uh, whilst she waited. Uh, she delayed her spaghetti dinner just to talk to me. That says it all, I think. Uh, now, so here's, uh, in, in, in case you were listening and you didn't have a pen uh, and you didn't uh, get a chance to write anything uh, or some of the things down that, that Leslie had spoken about. So um, I took some notes. Portrait of a, she said woman on fire, but then she also said lady on fire. So I'm not sure. Portrait of a lady on fire, the nightingale, tigers are not afraid and Clemency were just four of the movies that uh, she spoke about. Uh, she also, right now, at the gallery, at Arts Insights in uh, Reston, in the Reston Town Centre, uh, they have an exhibit going on of the Charlie Brown Christmas art. So I'm actually going to go check that out, uh, perhaps this weekend. Um, they also have um, art there from John Alvin. He's a film artist. And... Um, she's The gallery's great. You're just you're going to look at and see stuff that's just... Yeah, really unique. Uh, she also had talked about a few websites and a few other um, activities she's involved in. Uh, there was uh, womenrockinghollywood.com, and that's all one word, Women Rocking Hollywood. Uh, Art Insights is, is her gallery, and that's artinsights with an S at the end, dot com. And on Twitter, you can uh, check out uh, at Women Rock Film, again, all one word. Uh, another one is at Cinema Siren News. So that's the word cinema, the word siren, and the word news all together as one, at Cinema Siren News. And at Art Insights uh, can be found uh, on, on Twitter. That's her, um, that's her gallery. So I want to thank uh, Leslie again for doing that and uh talking to me and i am going to go visit her this weekend maybe or early next week uh i'm going to try to get a podcast out next week before um the christmas hanukkah kwanzaa holiday break and um that's all so i hope you enjoyed it uh you can find me on twitter at the real john baker on facebook we're probably friends um because only my friends listen to the thing and the website is the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word right, uh, dot com. And that's where you can f leave a comment. Um, I want to thank you for listening. It's been a pretty good year. I'm going to wrap it up next week though. So, uh, have yourself a great week. Um, stay warm. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye now. Too lazy to write. We're Everyone is welcome with the real job.